Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on in on a Thursday. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott with you. Austin producing today as usual. How you doing over there, Gordon? What's going on? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. Thought you'd be down because usually your mood is uh, fluctuates with the weather and it did rain today. Yeah, but look at it now. So you're you're better? As soon as those clouds part, you're feeling good? You're ready like, to go? I know that we need rain. Just, I don't want to live in Seattle, that's all. All right, I, I got you. Well, it's good to see you. We have a lot to do today. We do. And uh, kind of an interesting day today, the uh, 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. I know that's long ago for a lot of our listeners. Most of our listeners were not around at that time. But uh, that was a pretty big deal. One of the most uh, important days in our country's history, which is full of many important days, but that certainly ranks high amongst them. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, but it's a, a day we both want to commemorate a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was scary stuff. And for those guys who were pulling it off, you know, I mean, Jake, you've read about it. You've, you've seen the documentaries, you know, that a lot of the guys were sick before they even landed on the beaches. Yep. So, I mean, they were they were doing a darn near impossible job, but they, they did it and did it with courage and thank goodness. Yeah, we all, uh, you know, we uh, we all enjoy this uh, this country and this freedom as a result of the sacrifices that many made. So, it's certainly one of those days you uh, like to remember and that will live on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a, a big deal. And those of you who are history buffs, and I know a lot of people are, you are, Jake. I am. Austin, I don't know if Austin's a history buff or he not. He is indeed. In fact, Austin and I spent most of our pre-show preparation period discussing. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, uh, discussing this. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, big deal. And, uh, I, I, you know, uh, let's give a big old salute to... The greatest generation, as it is called, for people who stepped forward and helped save the world. All right, we're going to talk a lot of basketball on the show. Sam Amick will be with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, your NBA Daily Assist. Top of the 5 o'clock hour, your cohort over there at the Trib, Eric Walden, will be on the show. He oh, covers the, the jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah. You've worked with Eric for a while now, right? Yes. Yeah. He's been over at the Trib there for a, a good long time. He has a story up at the Tribune right now about the Jazz hoping to land a big-name free agent. But if they don't, they're looking at other more modest uh, options. But uh, we'll see how it goes because I I think the Jazz are going to – how's the saying go? Better to shoot for the stars and land in the trees than to shoot for the trees and land in the mud. I've said that many times. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I memorized that from – 35 years ago, but I did. I'm just glad you're not talking about the trees in your yard, which was such a big topic of conversation a couple of weeks ago. 
No. I'm Spent not. like 50% of shows talking about <laughs> Gordon's trees. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But, uh, yeah, people are interested. I think it is the story of the summer around here. Uh, what are the Jazz going to do? What are they going to be able to do? And maybe they don't even know that themselves. But I'm sure they are doing every legal thing possible to position themselves. Do you think there's any illegal thing going on? Um, well, you know, bending the rules isn't entirely illegal, right? You know? <laughs> oh, it's not? Where do you cross the line of illegality? You know, if uh, Justin Zanuck happens to bump into, you know, uh, a close family friend or advisor of a key free agent, you know, while <laughs> going down aisle four at Smith's, like, oh, hey, you, I know I don't live here, but you, you shop here too? <laughs> so you think that perhaps those guys, and I'm talking about by those guys, I mean everybody who's involved in NBA basketball, has a list of where the other GMs shop for groceries. And they just happen to be meandering on down the aisle at a certain time. Just looking for some granola bars. Oh, hey. Hey. (laughs) So. So what are you doing here? How's it going? How's the family? Speaking of how's the family, your your nephew, uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, what's he thinking? Um, but well, I, other GMs, other agents, uh, player, players might be a little obvious. You know, you got to sort of cloak it a little bit. But I, I think if you're not doing those sorts of things, you're probably going to be behind come June 30th at 6 p.m. or whatever it is now uh, when the, the floodgates are released. Indeed. So is there, is, I mean, would you, if you were in charge, if you were running a, a basketball franchise, would you pay somebody like a full time wage? To go investigate these things so that you knew where certain people were at certain times. So employing like a bag man? <laughs> or, or a spy. Yeah, why not? Money's no <laughs> object. Whatever you got to do. And the NBA could pay off in a major way, right? So even if you strike out, it's worth a try, right? And you and I don't like cheaters, but and I like the way you said it. You know, a little bend to the rules. You know, some of those rules are rather pliable. They are, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not Justin Zanuck himself, you know, making contact. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Justin's uh, good buddy. So Justin says, uh, and we're not, we're not implying that no, this actually happens. Kind but, of joking about but, this. But, but, but I mean, think about it though. You got some college kid who needs a summer job, <laughs> and you happen to know him. Say, hey, what are you doing for summer employment? Why don't you uh, head on over to whatever city? What do you think about espionage? <laughs> Want to give it a try? And uh, don't don't cross me, because I'll deny I ever met you. We will talk about the finals. And I'll pay you in cash. Game number three. And uh, we'll also talk about Gordon's column, inspired by uh, a topic that came up on the show yesterday. And uh, I thought it was good. Go go read Gordon's column, sltrib.com. He's suggesting a change for the NBA. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. And a bigger change for college basketball. But we'll get into it. Indeed. All right. Uh, it's time for the split story of the day. Let's get right to it. Austin, if you please. Two guys, two topics. 
two, two, two. two opinions. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Paul here 11 years ago today. Long jumper up top, no good, and that's the way it ends. The Toronto Raptors have taken home court advantage back. They come to Oakland and win game three, the final. Toronto 123, Golden State 109. You can't really worry about any of that stuff, right? Like every one of these games is critical. And I keep saying we've, we've had a lot of this throughout the playoffs with other teams, guys out. We've had some guys out, etc. And you just, five guys are going to be out there, right? And you, and you can't really worry about that. Each game's critical, and the next one will be as critical as tonight's was. The Raptors take a two games to one lead in the series. They beat the Golden State Warriors 123-109. Gordon, you and I both thought that uh, Toronto was going to win. We both thought that Golden State wouldn't quite have enough firepower with just Steph Curry out there, and we both were, as usual, (laughs) 100% right on the money. We were, and you were even more specifically right in saying that DeMarcus Cousins would not be able to be uh, as useful as some people were either predicting or hoping that he would be. There was no way he would keep that up. Plus, we had to know that the Raptors were going to make adjustments and boy, did they. Marcus Gasol was yeah. extremely effective against Boogie Cousins, and he was a detriment. What what we didn't expect, I guess the, the one part of that game that really kind of blew me away was the lack of Warriors defense. Well, Clay is so – they missed Clay probably more on defense than they did on well, offense. Well, it sure looked like it. Yeah. Well, it looked like it on both ends last night. They but, could not get stops. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. It was it was bad. At one point, I thought that the Raptors might score 150 points. They shot. What did they, they get in the first half? It was something like 50. Was it almost 60 points? 60 points. Yep. And it, I don't know. So, yeah, that uh, and for the first time in a long, long time, the Warriors are no longer favorites to become NBA champs. In in your mind, or are you talking and about like Vegas? Vegas? Really? Mm-hmm. That's what. Well, Clay's coming back for sure. For game number four, that's happening. We'll see, man. Last night was, uh, well, it was absolutely necessary, as you pointed out, for the Raptors. And that had to be devastating to some extent for the Warriors. You know, we were talking with Locke about this yesterday, the heart of a champion. And the Warriors have shown that. But, man, they got, uh, that heart was uh, yanked out of the chest last night and kind of thrown to the ground. But we'll see if Clay Thompson can make all that difference again because now there's got to be some doubt in their minds about what's happening here. Well, here's the thing. Everybody everybody on Toronto played well last night. And yeah. we can say because Golden State's defense was lacking, and it certainly was, um, there's no doubt about it. But everybody played well. Kyle mm. Lowry was really good. Pascal Siakam was really good. Mark Gasol uh, was really good. Danny Green was awesome. Van Vliet. Is he? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is so underrated. He is a he is a great player. You wonder why Toronto was able to give up on Delon Wright, uh, even though Delon was having a pretty good season himself and actually was really good uh, once he got to Memphis. But Van Vliet, I mean, they don't 
you know, they don't miss him at all. He's a he's a really nice player. How many more games can Toronto have everybody play well? I, I don't know. But it, you're right. It happened last night. And every time that you thought that the Warriors might be able to do what they do, mount some sort of run, the Raptors were hitting shots that they uh, that, that really gave them a boost and maintained that lead. And uh, so you're right. I mean, you go down, you, you think of a player – Think of a player and ask yourself, did he play well? And I think uh, I can't think of a Raptor that was really poor. Can you? No, they were all good. Not a single one. Nope. Really well played, and uh, they put the pressure on on Golden State for sure. I don't know if they can do that again what to was, that extent. Remember what I said earlier in the series after the first two games? It looked at times like these two teams were not great teams. Well, the Raptors uh, corrected that problem, yeah. and uh, that's what happens when uh, when the Warriors are missing some key components to their magical mix, and uh, the Raptors made them pay just like they had to. And Kyle Lowry was terrific, and th- that's where they miss Clay Thompson. He's a he's a great team defensive player. He's really long. He gets into a lot of passing lanes, but he's also the kind of guy where if you don't want Kyle Lowry to get it going. You stick clay over on him for a little while, mm-hmm. and then he'll cool off Lowry, and then, you know, Lowry we've seen at times disappear in these playoffs. Well, when he gets it going, you see how important he really is to that team with 23 points and 9 assists and was doing whatever he wanted to out there, and that takes the pressure off of Kawhi Leonard. And then everybody, I mean, Toronto played loose. Everybody played yeah. well and had that confidence. And when they do that, Jake, the, and with uh, with Clay over on the sideline with no Kevin Durant, the only thing left for the Warriors to do is to count on one of their owners to get physical. You want to talk about that? Can we talk about Steph Curry real quick and sure. then move on to talk about that? Because I think that will will dominate probably the rest of the discussion. But I, I thought it, if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm discouraged because Steph Curry, we were talking about yesterday Gordon either Steph Curry has to go nuts or he has to get some help from an unexpected place you right. know Draymond has to have a career night and and, and score 30 mm-hmm. or something like that well the bad news is is that Steph went nuts and they still got smoked yeah, yeah. so i mean if you ever wondered how important clay thompson is to the warriors last night i'll tell you something told me his value just went up even more it should i mean it, it was obvious what he does for the team when he wasn't out there cuz Steph was was ter- I mean, in that third quarter, Gordon, Steph was unbelievable. Steph was doing, and I really hate this cliche, so I'm saying this half mockingly. <laughs> Steph was doing Steph things, Gordon. How <laughs> was he now? <laughs> I always wondered well, about that cliche. If if we were to Austin participate real quick here, if we were to say Gordon doing Gordon things, what would we be referring to? Oh, geez, where do we begin with housework? This? I think. <laughs> Comes the first thing no, that comes to mind. I no. would say ducking housework. <laughs> no, putting the dishes in the dishwasher, making sure all the debris is off of them properly, so they're sparkling clean when they get out of. The- Telling the same story for the nineteenth time that afternoon. Okay, one upping maybe. One upping for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just like breathing. What if we were? <laughs> what if we said me, Jake, doing Jake things, trying to. Uh, get a story over Gordon, but you never succeeded. <laughs> Not true. Who does more talking on this show, Jake or me? I don't know. One of you had a speed bag as a kid. Yeah. It's it's pretty even, I'd say at least. I think I do the most talking. <laughs> You just not, don't hear it. I'm not complaining. <laughs> really? Do you ever hear Austin talk? I never hear him talk. I I hear it. 
I'm not complaining. I enjoy my role on the show. Oh. I've got I've got no complaints about that whatsoever. If we said Austin doing Austin things, what would that? Holding grudges, holding go- gossiping. Thank you. Being gossiping. Uh, being angry about other people. Gossiping. <laughs> being a, a lousy coworker. Wow, too far. I know. Too you far. You're making it so much that way that you, so it's obvious just, that I'm kidding. We're just joking around, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> right past oh, wait the a minute. You know what, Gordon? Enjoy your remaining years. <laughs> too far. Wait, I made, they, but you do that all You can purpose. say that kind of stuff about Lloyd. You can't say that kind of stuff about Austin. Austin knows that what I was saying was untrue. I don't know you. <laughs> All right. Lousy coworker. Good luck book, booking the guests next week. Well, he's not going to be here next week. Weird. <laughs> it is weird. Another vacation, huh? Uh, I count the days, man. I'm right on target. Believe me, because I know other people count them, too. <laughs> what? Why are you looking at me? Nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm not just, counting anything. No, I'm Someone's got to count. I'm just looking at you. All right. Uh, let's get to the sideshow of the night. Kyle Lowry goes... Uh, diving into, he covered a couple of rows, diving into the crowd, <laughs> yeah. trying to uh, to save a loose ball. As he was getting up, he was he was shoved. shoved. Is that That's the best word. word? I think so. I think people tend to get a little, you know, he basically punched him. He basically <laughs> took his head off. And it's like, oh, getting a, but shoved. Certainly a, an yeah. aggressive an, a, an aggressive gesture. Yes, right. I would agree. And uh, Lowry didn't uh, didn't like that that much. Nor should he. No, I I got to agree there. So we find out this morning, Gordon, that uh, the fan, his name is Mark Stevens, and he's a venture capitalist and part time owner of the Golden State Warriors. That's a little bit of a problem. Minority owner. He uh, he joined the ownership group in 2013 after Vivek Ranadive purchased the Kings and had to give up his share with the Warriors. Then this uh, Mark Stevens swooped in there and grabbed it. So what percentage does he have? Do we I know? don't know. And in fact, I, I've been looking for that all day today, and I have not been able to find it. Me neither. So if there's, but uh, the point is, he's a, he's he's connected to the club, right? I mean, there's a reason he was sitting in those seats because <laughs> he's part owner of the of the franchise. Well, the Warriors have suspended him for the rest of the finals. They will not allow him to watch any more finals games. And uh, now the NBA has also stepped in and said, uh, on top of that, he's not allowed in any sort of NBA function until the investigation now is complete because mm-hmm. the NBA is going to to look into it. Mm-hmm. And he picked a really bad time to do this because fan behavior and interaction with players and franchises is a hot-button issue right now. Sure. And the Jazz, you know, certainly experienced that this year with a couple of fans. And as much a part of the story as what the fan was doing was how the NBA and the Jazz themselves reacted to what was going on. Right. And there was a lot of listening to the players. And and um, Adam Silver admitted in an interview the other day that he called Jazz players. He had a conversation with the players, uh, specifically Jazz players. And, and was pleased with the Jazz's reaction. Right. And so this is the spotlight is really on this subject right now. And the Warriors are in a really awkward spot because this isn't just some fan. This this isn't just Austin Horton who saved up all his money for a front row seat. This is a part owner of the club and somebody with a lot of pull in the community, too, I'm guessing. See, if Austin did it, then that would be a, a big story, too, because of his affiliation with the radio station and the fact you know. Uh, talk show host 
shoves player. I could see that in the headline, too. So everybody has to be careful. But even if a regular fan did it, it would be headline news. But you're right. If you're affiliated in some way or you have some role beyond the norm, it is definitely going to be circled. And tell me something, Jake. Why is it? I understand sports. I understand fandom and whatnot. But can you imagine this guy being an owner of a different business and being, say, in a board meeting and getting up and shoving somebody because he was angry? It would not be tolerated, yeah. It's – I just – I, I get it. It's one of the magical things about sports that people get emotional about it. But give me a freaking break. I, I wonder about that sometimes when you're sitting in the stand somewhere and someone is yelling things that they, in no other circumstance would they yell those things. And in this case, I, I bet the last guy, this guy, last time this guy got in a fight or shoved somebody was probably in elementary school. And here he is out there in front of everybody doing that. I mean, somehow, we you don't want to take the emotion out of the game. It's fun to, to, to have some connection, to get into it and all that. You've got to remember where you are and what it is and what's most important, and it's not this. Well, we have some breaking news, and the NBA has, has just now, actually just a couple of minutes ago, according to The Athletic, uh, handed down a punishment for Mark Stevens, and before I before I read this, I, I do want to bring Austin into the conversation because I heard uh, Austin and Tony today, and Austin wants not only a ban but like vengeance for this guy. Like what, what for, you say, for him, I mean, Austin uh, took a very aggressive stance today. I think he should be able to choose being banned forever or allowing Kyle Lowry one free shot. <laughs> so oh, that would be uh, rather aggressive, I would say. You think he really should be banned? forever yeah he's an owner of an nba team physically assaulting kyle lowry yeah i I think that's a little bit uh, but you were advocating he sell his share of the club i think he ought to be i think he ought to be given a check today and be removed yeah okay so let me ask you if this uh, i want to bring austin in because i want to know austin's kind of the the most out for blood he'll represent (laughs) that that portion of people out there i want to know if this satisfies you okay uh According to The Athletic, the NBA and the Warriors announced Warriors investor. I love it how it's gone down from minority owner to, <laughs> oh, investor. Like, oh, he did, he gave us 50 cents once. But anyway, uh, Warriors announced uh, Warriors investor Mark Stevens has been banned from attending NBA games and Warriors team activities for one year and has been fined $500,000 for pushing and directing obscene language toward Kyle Lowry. Austin? Uh, he's worth two point three billion. So you tell me, is he really worth two point three? That's a lot. Uh, I'm satisfied with that. No. Nope. I, I think I'm pretty satisfied with it too. I mean, five hundred thousand. Yeah. He, if this is Mark Cuban, what happens? But he's the majority owner. He's no. not a minority owner. What's the? He's an owner in the team. Yeah. That but, you were playing against. But he has a lesser role than Mark Cuban. I don't think that would be an equal comparison. I would agree. Okay. You're going to see this happen a lot more then because that's not enough to deter it. But but here's the thing. So what is what is more severe, uh, a, a physical aggressive gesture like we mm-hmm. saw, a shove, mm-hmm. or 
uh, um, insults from a, a racial standpoint? Oh, I, that's a great question, actually. But I, the ra- the racial stuff, I just, I, I can't abide that at all. I agree. So, but but I guess what I'm saying is is to uh, talking to Austin. Let's take the owner out of it entirely for a second. What would happen if he was just a normal fan and did that? Is this less severe than what the fan did here in Salt Lake City? I don't follow. So, if this was a fan that pushed Lowry, yeah, yeah, right, he'd, he'd say, be banned forever. You think? Yes. If he if he if he physically pushed Kyle Lowry out of the stands, he'd be banned forever. It's not a good look. I understand where you're coming from on it, us, and uh, it's, it's 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 bad behavior. And he also didn't punch Kyle Lowry. I mean, it was I said ag- pushed. It was aggressive, but no, no, no. I know you did. Uh, it was aggressive, but it was not violent necessarily. I mean, is is it all the same? I I no. I I think that uh, hurling a racist slur at somebody reflects a, an attitude. That is absolutely intolerable. Mm-hmm. Not that being physical with anybody is is really tolerable, but if he had punched somebody, then I would have said, yeah, but a push, uh, I'm not sure that's uh, a lifetime ban uh, situation. I, I think they've sent the message, this is tolerable if you can pay the fine. No, because he's he's, uh, he's suspended for a year. Yeah. That's He wants to come to these games. I, I'm sure that's pretty severe for him. Wonder if Lowry thinks it's enough, and I'm sure he'll be asked. I, I'm, this I'm guy sure is going to be in touch if he hasn't already. He's going to be in touch with Kyle Lowry, and he's going to be begging him for his forgiveness. He's going to be apologizing, saying I'm sorry in every which way he can, as he should. But I think he will. I don't know the guy at all, you know. Now, but. apparently, Mark Stevens' uh, verbal assault uh, was not racial, but it was very aggressive. Uh, according to Lowry, uh, Stevens told him, quote, go bleep yourself multiple times. So that's pretty aggressive. Yeah, that's, that's not racial, stupid. but it's, it's, it's pretty stu- aggressive. I, I, think, uh, I think this guy needs someone to sit down and maybe he needs some counseling. I don't know. So I don't know. Are people out there satisfied with that? What do you think, fans? Because you're, you're part of this story. I mean, fan behavior is is what we're talking about here. Uh, do you think if it were just a normal fan, would it be uh, a year ban? No, I think that's a great point, and I think Austin's right. If if a regular fan pushed uh, an NBA player when he fell into the crowd, I think that guy would, would be in big, big trouble. Worse trouble than this. I don't know about the fine part, but certainly the suspension or the partial banning, whatever you want to call it, I think it would be severe. I, I think I, there'd be law enforcement involved, to be truthful. Yeah. Mm, I, think, I, I don't think it would go that far because nobody was hurt. I think it's a pretty big step to force somebody to give up interest in a team. I mean, you're really – that's really extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was extreme when they did it to Donald Sterling. And listen, the NBA is a better place for it, for him not being here. But, that, I mean, that was that was extreme – those are extreme measures for the NBA to take to force you to cash in on your uh, an investment. I yeah. don't know if they can go that far. And the guy it sounds like he's two point three billion, probably in pretty good shape, no matter how this turns out. But uh, see, I'd make a lousy law enforcement person. I'd make a lousy lawyer. 
because I I want to bend the rules situationally. I want I want to uh, to be lenient as lenient as I can. The racial stuff, no, I don't put up with that. I wouldn't put up with that. I have no say so in that matter. But I I find that uh, objectionable in every every which way. But but for someone to lose his temper and do something that uh, needs addressing in a serious way, I, I can I can live with that. But I don't want to see this guy banned from the NBA for life because he did something stupid. I do think uh, his attitude would come into play with this. If, if he's still acting like an absolute jerk about the whole thing, then the Warriors need to address that in a major, major way. But I'm satisfied by what the NBA did here. I, I think... Uh, I don't think you're going to see a lot of owners or partial owners out there shoving players. But if you do, all they got to do is write a check. And be suspended. I mean, I think that's the worst part of it for him. $500,000, he doesn't care about that. Although a lot of people who are pretty wealthy do care about darn near every penny. But uh, I think being being essentially banned for a year is is tough on this guy. There's a reason he wants to be. He's a reason he invested in this. He wants to be involved in it. Austin, what if they put him in? Uh, what, what do they call those things in uh, back in uh, medieval stock, England? Stock yeah. yeah, where they throw the the rotten vegetables yeah, at him. It's the uh, the stocks. Yeah. What if What if he had to do like a week in the stocks? Man. That, mm-hmm. Does he also get to still be an owner in the team after that and yeah. make a lot of money by yeah, owning an NBA good. team? No. But, but he has to be there. See, it, he's going to benefit from being an owner of this team. Yeah, he'll he'll sign away $500,000. He won't attend team activities or games for a year, and he'll still make every dime and penny that he would make if he were attending the games. But he'd be publicly humiliated, you know, with all the vegetables being thrown at him. While still being an owner of an NBA team. All right, there was a trade that went down <laughs> in the NBA today. We're going to tell you about it coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone. This is DJ and PK. Bill Conley, he writes for SB Nation. I don't want to put too much faith in Zach Wilson. He attempted like 200 passes in his career so far. Yeah, he's still got plenty to prove, and I never want to overreact to a bowl performance. I go out of my way not to overreact to a bowl performance, but really kind of feels like he's got a lot of pieces here, and it kind of seems like if they don't get hit by severe injuries at the linebacker position, they've got everything else they want to move back toward at least the top 40 level. Really, really intrigued by them. I'm curious what their upside is on offense. We saw a whole heck of a lot of it late in the year, and their defense is almost always going to be good under Satake, so kind of seems like that's a pretty good team right there. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. and 12.80 The Zone. Band of the day today, Alan Jackson. Brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. Selected by Gordon. 
You know, this is, uh, it's technically an Alan Jackson song, I know, but it's its technically, or it's uh, Jimmy Buffett's only number one hit. So is it, uh, does Buffett get full credit then? I don't know how that works, but, uh, you know, Buffett's had such a long career and he has all these songs that everybody, you know, knows by heart. Uh-huh. And he's never had a number one hit until then, which was, when did that song come along, like? 2008, 2009. Well, I lost track. So, anyway, there you go. Alan Jackson, good choice, Gordon. That'll be uplifting today. I'll tell you, his biographical song is one of my favorites. Uh, and we'll hear that later on in the show, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, yeah. Good. Hey, uh, Gordon, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is reporting a trade today in the NBA, and it could have. Uh, ramifications that could affect the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are trading guard Alan Crabb and his $18.5 million contract, one of the worst contracts in the league, mm-hmm. <clears throat> to the Atlanta Hawks, clearing the salary cap space to pursue two maximum free agent contracts this summer. Uh, so the Nets send Crabb, the number 17 pick in this year's NBA draft, and a 2020 lottery-protected first-round pick to the Hawks in exchange for uh, Tarion Prince and a 2021 second-round pick. The deal, by the way, can't be officially finalized until July 6th. Man, the Nets getting serious here. Well, and the Hawks are, are picking up two first-round picks. I mean, that's, that's pretty nice. Uh, so you can see what they're doing as I think they have three first-round picks in the upcoming draft, something like that. So the the Hawks are going to continue to be active, I'm sure. So they're going to get a relatively cheap labor if they keep those picks? Package those picks and move up. Maybe they like somebody up. Maybe you trade one of those first-round picks for a first-round pick in a later draft. Mm. Uh, but uh, Atlanta is uh, – is, I like what Atlanta's doing, actually. I know that's kind of a side part to this uh, to this story. But I like the way that they're building their team and they're developing young players. And they well, took a, they have a young player who's a whole lot better than I thought he was going to be. You yeah. and me both. And they took a real risk on on Trey Young and doing that uh, the, you know that trade with Dallas. And they he turned out to be a pretty darn good he player did. in he his did. rookie year. So I I actually like what Atlanta's doing. So Brooklyn basically is now clearing that space for two max players. So Kyrie Irving, of course, has been the the one in the news. Uh, there's mutual interest there, according to multiple reports. But then, what do they do with max slot number two? Because the D'Angelo Russell is a restricted free agent, so they're actually in a really good position where they can put him on the back burner and see if somebody else wants to come play with Kyrie Irving. And if they don't, then they've got D'Angelo Russell is kind of a, a backup plan. So they're actually in a pretty good spot there. But they don't there, want but both. Why not? Do they? Why wouldn't they? They're both kind of combo guards. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Seems Kyrie... like you might be able to utilize, yeah, in this day and age, yeah, I guess. I was just thinking that they might be able to utilize that money in a way that would be more diversified for them. A more a better complementary piece to Kyrie Irving, if yeah. that's indeed what they do. And so, you know, Kevin Durant has been rumored linked to Kyrie Irving, but that was when people were talking about the Knicks. Yeah. saw a report the other day that, uh, that Durant doesn't really have any interest in playing for the Nets. But all that, you know, could change, especially since we're talking about Kevin Durant. <laughs> in other words, everything changes every day. I don't know. I don't know. But the Jazz the other day, reported by The Athletic, were one of the teams that were interested in, in D'Angelo Russell. And he and Donovan Mitchell are, are close buddies. 
and that is not coincidental. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the reason he's his friend, but I think those two things are connected. But this the jazz's interest and Donovan's friendship. This is just furthering the reason why I I think it's going to be a long shot uh, for the Jazz to to get somebody in free agency because so many things have to happen uh, for for that option to be open to D'Angelo Russell. But but look, the Brooklyn's going to have two max slots. New York, the Knicks going to have two max slots. Uh, and the Nets don't want to take a back seat to the Knicks. Oh, I'm sure they don't. The Lakers have two max slots. The Clippers could have two. I mean, we're seeing these these. Big free agent destinations have room to sign these big name free agents, <laughs> yeah. and so what trickles down to to a club like the Jazz? I, I thought what Locke brought up on our show yesterday was extremely interesting. That that if they can't land an All Star, they might have to do some work with two players that they feel has potential or would be good fits, and not necessarily those splashy names that we've talked about so much. Right. I, well, I think you find the best fit no matter what the situation is. Uh, there's no way Dennis Lindsay is ever going to be involved in a deal that he thinks is uh, no deeper than a name. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. But, I mean, we're talking about all-star level players like Tobias Harris or D'Angelo Russell or Kimba Walker. And that that might not be in the cards for the Jazz. Well, that's why we're all sitting around waiting to see what's going to happen. It's uh, I don't know what their capabilities are. I don't know what the attitude of these players uh, is, if it is a collective one. Uh, what I mean, does Tobias Harris, is his interest in the jazz as real as some people seem to be suggesting it is? Does, is his admiration for Quinn Snyder as uh, comprehensive as uh, as it seems? Well, I think maybe what you need to be asking is how much is that worth to Tobias Harris? Yeah, yeah. Because he'd have to leave money on the table, in theory, if if he if left Philadelphia, if the Sixers offer him what they're capable of offering him. I mean, he would have to say no thanks to tens of millions of dollars. So, yeah, but I mean, then he that's could, where maybe not necessarily be driven by greed could could be a positive for the Jazz. Yet, I know you're a big advocate of greed. <laughs> yet a long shot. I mean, <laughs> really a long. I mean, so, Quinn Snyder could Quinn Snyder could be Tobias's second father. But are you going to leave? <laughs> you know, are you going to leave forty million dollars on the table? Love you. See ya. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and set my family up for generations, and uh, I'll uh, I'll lobby a call around the holidays. Have yeah, a good but one. something tells me you won't be hurting for cash, no matter what. But. Let's go back to the launching point for all this. And you brought this up yesterday, Jake. What about Derek Favors? What do you what What do you turn your back on that? With, with the thought in mind that yeah, there's going to be a, a couple of deals made that are substantial. I think we might know the answer to that on draft night. If they make a deal and they bring in, say, a Mike Conley or something like that on draft night, well, then Derek Favors is is going to hit the open market. Now, free agency, when that begins, that window is so short because they have to make a decision on Derek by July 5th. So, you know, we might not see the free agent waterfall before then. And so then do the Jazz just say goodbye to Derek Favors and keep that flexibility open, no. or do they do do they lock him in? So that's a, that's, that's a really big decision. That's all part of the intrigue. 
If they make a draft day tra- or a draft night trade, though, I think that we'll have a pretty good indication of whether he's staying or going. You know, when we come back, I want to get you an answer to a question from you. Oh. Is it related to sports? Yeah. Okay. I'll ask it right now, and you answer it when we come back. So don't do what you do to me right. and, and run right through it. Okay, yeah. I got it. How damaging was the pick of Dante Exum to the Utah Jazz? We need some dramatic drums. Dum, dum, dum. How damaging? <laughs> damaging? Okay. All right. Well done. We'll get to that coming up next. Uh, stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Literally bumped into Justin Bieber getting on and on. All right. Oh, did Baby, you? baby, oh, baby. <laughs> Because I had my head in my phone. I was just out of it, getting on the elevator. Bumped right into him, and big old security guard, forearms giving me. I was like, ah, I'm a dead man. I told you a story when I ran by the big old security guard to a restroom. It was a little media restroom at the Staples Center. I think I'm so short, he did not see me. And I was pretty quick. Like, I was turning the corner quick. I was kind of on the move. And, yeah, took a 20-second timeout next to... Puff Daddy. Okay. He did. He had a big old white coat on. Yeah, it was like, okay. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Thank you for making us part of your day. Want to remind you about our friends at the Youth Conference. Uh, The Youth Conference introduces their new fall flag football league. Boys and girls ages 5 to 7. Learn to play, love the game, have a great experience. Come play flag football. Sign up today at youthconferencefootball.org. Gordon, you proposed a question before the break. Yes, Jake, I asked you how damaging the pick of Dante Exum was. What was that, 2014? It was. They um, spent the number five overall pick and uh, have since been, at various times, tantalized by uh, what he might be, and he hasn't really turned out to be that, and he's gotten injured year after year. I think if you say it's not damaging i think that's incorrect i think that anytime that you don't get a a contributor not contributor what's the right word i don't want to say a star i don't want to say an all-star but you know a player at number five then that's that's a fail right i mean if you have the fifth pick you need to get somebody that's going to be a good player on your team but with that said Misses happen all the time. They happen mm-hmm. to the best general managers out there. They happen to the worst general managers out there. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. Right. And a lot of what hap- has happened with Dante Exum probably was not all that foreseeable, right? Him with the injury issues and different kinds of injury issues, too. It's not like it's it's been a bum knee or, or something along those lines. I mean, it's been a knee and it's been a shoulder and it's been a number of different things, right? And because of those injuries, we haven't really been able to see what he could become. Right. 
and I and maybe we will never see that. But that that being said, Dante has not become a real central part of this Jazz team. He's got a a, a role at best, right? So then you think, well, who could the Jazz have had with that pick if they had passed on Dante? And they could uh, Marcus Smart, Julius Randle were the the two picks right after him. Nick Nick Stauskas um, went number eight to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, uh, and then you get further down, and some of these players are nice. Zach Levine you could have had at uh, number thirteen. Yusuf Nurkic at sixteen. Holy cow! Nikola Jokic was in this draft, Gordon, all the way down to forty one. But you get down there, like the Jazz were never taking Jokic right. at number five. Right. I mean that. That just wasn't going to happen. Good for Denver for hitting on that pick because that's not easy to do. But then you think, well, could they have flipped the fifth pick for something of value? And the answer to that is absolutely. This was a really highly touted draft. You might have been able to get something for the fifth pick. So there's no way to, to spin it as a success. But how damaging? I don't I don't know. Is this something where you say it set back the franchise? Because I don't think it really did that. It was, uh, I guess you could say it was a missed opportunity, perhaps. Uh, but like you say, this happens to everybody. It's just that when you're running a team like the Jazz, you have to be smarter than everybody else. It's not fair, but it's kind of true. And I don't know whether there have been opportunities to trade Dante Exum since he was drafted and the Jazz were still convinced that he was had value to him and that they declined certain deals in which Dante Exum was to be included because they did not want to lose Dante Exum or what. There's no way of really knowing that at this point. Right. It's just I remember when the Jazz drafted him, I think we sort of universally applauded the move, didn't we? Well, he was. Some people were projecting him as the number one pick. He was the he was the unicorn of that draft. He was, and I mean this in in kind of a more positive way than it's going to sound. But he was the Darko Milicic of that draft, where it was like, oh, he's the one that we haven't seen a whole lot of, but we hear he's a superhuman. And people were surprised when he was available at five, right? Like you said, and so the Jazz, I think, were ecstatic that night to be able to get him. And, and, and that wasn't some sort of revolutionary concept. Uh, a lot of people felt that way. It's just, you know, it, there's no crying over the milk, milk that's been spilled here. But I, I just don't know what might have been. It's one of those deals. And, and, and I don't know whether you can really project whether there is still some value there or whether he'll be able to turn it around and, and not be injured anymore and make the progress people thought he was going to make earlier on. Our friend Aaron on Twitter weighs in, which you can always do, at Gordon Monson, at Jake Scott Zone, at Austin Horton. Uh, Aaron says, the pick of Dante Exum was damaging to the uh, to the team, but everybody hits and misses. But they are allowing Dante Exum to continue damaging the team. It's time to move on from Exum. And so what do you do? Uh, do you just trade him? Does anybody Is anybody else interested in him? What could you get for Dante Exum now? See, I think if they were going to move on from Dante, they should have done it by now. I think now, I think they're they're all. I don't think there's much that you can do. So right now, I think you you cross your fingers and you hope that he can still develop because I don't think his value on the trade market right now is is good. You know, Aaron sent in another uh, tweet here that I think is kind of interesting uh, as it pertains to the conversation we were having 
earlier. He says if Jazz management thinks they have even a decent shot at a big-time free agent, let Favors' deal expire. If they don't take a chance and they just bring back Favors, they are no better than they were this year out in the first round. Need a bold move, says Aaron. I think there are a lot of people that would agree with him. I think favors might end up being kind of a casualty of timing where the Jazz are going to have to probably let him explore free agency just because they need the flexibility just in case that move is out there unless they make a draft day trade. Unless they make a trade where they... Eliminate that risk by getting something. Right. It's... it's, it's, uh... Yeah, because what happens if they if they do not uh, nail something down with favors and then they don't get the kind of free agent that they were looking for, whether they're a big name or not? Right. And can you find somebody out there who can give you what favors gives you? See, I think I, I don't think necessarily the Jazz need all stars, but they, I mean that would be terrific if they could get. They need shooters. They need guys who can put the ball in the basket. If you give if the Jazz could get two of those guys who are at least decent at the defensive end, then uh, I'm not sure that they have to be all stars. But they also need somebody to play backup center, and right now he's the best backup center in the league, and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, so, and then there's always the risk you run if what happens if something happens to Rudy. Right. I mean, Favors has shown multiple times throughout his career here in Utah that when the chips are down. And you need to somebody to rely on to step in and, and perform. Derek has done it and a bunch against, of times against, in the playoffs. Against the Rockets, Rudy did not get injured. And at uh, certain points, Favors was more valuable than Rudy was. Oh, yeah. He closed. What game was it? Closed game. F- which one did the Jazz win? Four. Game four? Yeah, it was game four. He closed game four because he was playing better. So, I mean, that there is some value to that role. But then that's that's the tricky part. Yeah. Because you have to put a financial value on the role that certain players can play. And that's his most valuable role on the Jazz, is that he's a backup He's a backup center behind Rudy. And the more the game transitions into a three-point shooting game, the more of a liability he is at the four. Yeah, I don't think that's where he brings a ton of value to the team. I get it why they start him in a lot of games and you know he can create mismatches because of his size where the rest of the league is going small so I think there is some value there but his his highest value on the Jazz is is backing up Rudy but I understand Aaron's point and everyone else's point that brings this up is that the Jazz need to try something different and I'm not I don't think people are just saying willy-nilly go out there and just change for changes sake but use your brains, use your acumen to do something that will move this thing forward because what you have now is not enough. All right, Sam Amick is coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Kurt Heel and ProBasketballTalk.com and NBCSports.com. If you get Mike Conley, obviously that affects how you use Donovan Mitchell. If you get Tobias Harris and don't have money for a point guard, then that affects on how you use Donovan Mitchell. Do you think the Jazz have a plan on what they prefer with him, or is it just based on the kind of talent you can surround him with? The good thing about Donovan Mitchell is he's versatile enough, he's athletic enough, that whichever direction you went, whether it's Tobias, whether it's D'Angelo Russell or whomever, you'll, you'll have an idea, and I think he can play 
plug-in is kind of a combo one or a two. I'm sure there's multiple plans, but it's just too smart a front office not to have laid out multiple options and kind of know, hey, if this happens, then we're going to bend this way or that way. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.